Chris, I'm here with Emma Burley, Marketing Director at a Essex Marketing Agency. How are you doing, Emma? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you coping with this current situation, being a mum, being a worker? Are you exhausted? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say I'm exhausted 98% of the time. Um, been really enjoying the nice weather, but just juggling everything has been a challenge. Yeah. Um, my job and the remits of my current job have changed very much with the new coronavirus situation, um, presenting a whole heap of new challenges on top of just managing everything in the house. So it's been a very steep learning curve. Um, but yeah, we're all getting on fine. We're all healthy and that's the main thing. Um, yeah. And, you know, once we come out the other side of this, I'm sure we'll all have a new appreciation for everything that's really important. So, yeah, we're okay. So you work in full time from home or sort yeah. of your, nor your normal hours, basically? My normal hours, yeah, from home. Um, I'm starting at sort of 4.30, 5am, just to get a few hours onto my belt before the house wakes. And then it's just a case of monitoring emails and responding to requests as and when they come in more than anything. So I tend to set aside a certain amount of time in the morning to just get my copy written or do a bit of strategy or anything that requires a block of attention. And then the rest of it is just kind of dipping in and out as and when I can. So yeah, it's it's a new way of working, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I realised how hard it was to juggle working from home whilst having kids around and this isn't yeah. going to be specific to everybody but i guess everybody's dealing with working from home and trying to sort of juggle their normal life with their partners or whatever yeah i think um, the challenge that we've had i mean i'm i'm quite used to working from home anyway um i've always had that as an element of my working life because it's been yeah. important to me to be around as a mum uh, and being single for quite a while uh, but it's actually having two people trying to juggle working from home from within yeah. one space and then how that looks in, in the family dynamic of you know who's doing what and who's doing the homeschooling and then who's looking after the baby it is um it's very challenging but as i say it's precious family time that we wouldn't otherwise have yeah. so we're trying to look at it that way it doesn't always feel like that don't get me wrong but um yeah we're very lucky really we've got a nice house we've got a big garden you can't ask for much more and the weather's been pretty good so yeah it's been all right You've got a foosball table. But We've got a foosball it, table. But, but covered in some, junk. <laughs> <laughs> that leads to some intense games, if I remember rightly, from yeah. what you and your partner Fairly competitive, like. yep. And the children are equally competitive, so it's a savage arena, if nothing else. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, to add some background. So we, we worked together um, for, I guess, about a year, mm. a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, and we've kind of kept in touch. I like to see myself as, as your mentor in a way. Um, <laughs> or maybe we're sure. mutual, maybe we're mutual mentors. Yeah. Buddies. Yeah. Buddies. Buddies. The buddy buddy you are not my mentor. <laughs> but I think, I th cause I've found this, um, over my career is it's always good to try and not burn bridges with people and, and add and actually make a, an effort to keep in touch with people that you get on with in marketing. I guess in the workplace in general, but specifically in marketing, because we, you never know when you're gonna, your paths are gonna cross, or you might be able to mutually help each other out, and even just give each other advice and stuff. So I think that's been good. Yeah, as I say, we got we work really well together. It was difficult to make that decision to separate that partnership, but at the same time, you know, we have kept in touch with good reason. Um, we've got very different playing fields in which we work now, and I like to mm. think that we can kind of bounce off on another when we are presented with challenges that the other might be more comfortable with dealing with. So it's worked really nicely and hopefully long may it continue. Well, and it means I've been able to rope you into doing this as yeah. my first guest on Lucky the Marketing me. Minefield podcast. Marketing Minefield podcast. 
premiere. Yeah, the marketing the premiere, the marketing minefield thing. It's first of all, I thought oh, that's kind of catchy. That sort of sounds quirky, but actually, marketing is a minefield in in various ways. There's um, there's so many options of channels and tools and courses to do to even get into marketing in the first place and um and i think it is a minefield i guess for anybody that's thinking of getting in it but even when you're working in it it's a minefield you you never know um what kind of company you're going to work for in terms of like how do they feel about marketing do they get it do they support it financially and kind of uh, do they support it creatively it's, it it does seem like a minefield i guess a lot of industries are yeah, I mean, I'd say even when you're well established within a role, day to day, it's a minefield because you've also got to manage client expectations. I'd say yeah. that's probably one of the biggest day to day challenges that I find now that I'm more comfortable with my role within marketing, my ex my own expectations within my role. It's then managing other people's that have a kind of lesser understanding or um, have grand ideas that are just not kind of viable and you have to then kind of bring them back down to earth that's the difficult thing that I find and similarly it's such a busy space you know I work predominantly in the digital space um, and it's knowing where to attribute within my role sometimes quite restricted budget um, how to get the most out of that budget with such a variety of different channels and options and even combinations of channels available mm. so um, yeah it is a minefield uh, I think that's a good way of describing the field in which we work, but also kind of the grander job role, you know, whether you are a digital marketer, whether you are a marketing assistant or all the way through to a copywriter, you're never, ever going to hit the nail on the head first time. And that's why you are going in eyes wide open into that minefield all the time. And it's having a way of working that also enables you to become quite thick skinned as well. Yeah. Uh, and as I think as also as you climb the ranks, that becomes more and more important because within my job roles, I've always had people either above me or around me that have helped guide me through the next process or take me on to the next stage of, of a campaign or um, even a strategy. But now, once you get towards the top, you're the one that's supposed to be guiding everybody else through that process. And yeah. the first time you start doing that, that in itself is a whole new experience. So yeah, the whole stepping up through the career, I don't know whether there will ever be a point where anyone within the marketing field is always entirely comfortable with everything they're doing. And if they are, I'd love to meet them. Yeah. There's two things there that I think we, we could talk about. Um, the thick skin thing, which I'll, I'll come back to. I feel like I could talk about that for, for ages because I, I think I, I have, I have potentially had a, a thin skin in the past working in marketing and been maybe a bit protective of a bit precious, um, yeah. a bit precious of my ideas. And I think it's like that. I think if you work in a creative job, you naturally are creative and you're coming up with ideas and you, you maybe get attached to your own ideas. Um, and it, it makes you maybe more sensitive and more thin skin. So you do have to really train yourself to, to develop a thicker skin. And also that you mentioned about kind of being more of a leader and having to oversee things and help people. So I've made the notes come back to those. First of all, I want to just talk about how did you get into marketing and Particularly, I think, because it's interesting, because I, I know that you started in kind of the journalism side and, and the communications side. And communications and marketing are, are something that they often go together, but they are also sort of two separate career paths. I've got friends that work in communications. I've got friends that work in marketing. So, yeah, tell us a bit about how you kind of started um, and, and ended up in marketing. 
Yeah, so um, I'm a trained journalist. Uh, I did a degree in English and did a master's in journalism and worked on quite a lot of print publications, uh, a lot of consumer print publications, lifestyle magazines. Uh, but as that space started to close down and as... Uh, so my job, for example, folded because there wasn't a print magazine anymore and everything went online. So kind of forced to think outside the box with the, the path that I was supposed to take. Um, I had a career break to have my children. And after that, I decided to try and pursue journalism again, again from a print angle and just wasn't really working. So I started to move online with my copywriting and became like a digital copywriter. And from there, I started to pursue an interest in kind of engagement levels, content strategy and messaging and kind of the power of different sort of split testing and using different platforms and different messaging across different channels. And I found yeah. that really floated my boat way more than just churning out content. So um, from there, I started to devise um, different content strategies for different channels and um, started to open up some social media channels for um, print publications and helped uh, several businesses move those print publications online, something that I'm still currently doing for a client at the moment, actually. It's a really interesting process um, to try and change the behavior of your normal readership and explore new readership. So that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. But that kind of organically became a digital marketing role in that I started to work for a range of other companies that had a stronger focus on digital return on investment, um, where we would be applying that budget and uh, you know how we could get the most out of the content, not just the content, but the budget and also the strategy that came around it with regards to the creative. So it kind of spilled out and over gradually. And as it started to spill over, I started to pick up more skills on the job, but also with additional training in digital marketing as well. So um, in my current role, I came into that role as a digital marketing manager because of the skills that I'd accrued that I could bring to the table uh, in the business to business sector. And that's mm. now evolved into a marketing director role um, because I feel that I am able to bring to the table my foundations in journalism, my regard for messaging, for good content um, with this kind of overarching eye for strategy, um, data driven uh, insights as well, which I massively thrive on and just combine all of those skills to give my team um, a good basis to explore a whole range of different channels, both online and offline. So that's where I am at the moment. So, because when we when we met and worked together, you were, I guess, predominantly concentrating on communications and, and copywriting and content production, I guess. Yeah. And I was more focused on marketing, and, and that's how we kind of worked together. Mm. Did you always know that you wanted to get back into marketing being the predominant part of the role? Yeah, I, I don't know that I wanted it. I think it's just the way things progressed and I've embraced it. I think yeah. the nature of my current role has commanded me to very much work across the two disciplines with communications at the heart of everything I do from a marketing perspective. So yeah. in my current role, they very much work hand in hand. Um, we have a lot of inbound messaging. We also have a lot of... Um, membership organizations that we work for that want to connect and engage with very specific core member groups so the communication side is extremely intrinsic and important to everything i do from a marketing angle and to have those two skills i think has meant that we've had a lot of success across a lot of engagement campaigns because of an understanding of messaging and the power of content and getting that right 
with a view to also hitting it at the right place at the right time. So that's kind of how I see my role and how I combine those two skills. I have a massive passion for communications. I don't think that's ever going to go because mm. that's that's my foundation. That's that's what gets me up in the morning. Um, but the marketing angle I do find incredibly satisfying because you get to see the end result. You get to see those metrics coming into play. Um, and you also get to have the power to change the messaging and the communications as well. So, yeah, yeah it is, it's a lot and it's a lot to combine the two, but I don't think that you can entirely separate them either. No, no, I, I agree. And I, I don't know whether, you know, the next generation of marketers uh, are going to, I guess the next generation are, are sort of digital first and then yeah. everything else. I think we're going to lose, uh, you know, as much as I would hate this to happen, uh, I think we're going to lose a whole generation of people that rely on traditional communications, messaging and instinct um in the, you know in the hands of automation yeah. and i don't think you can replace that human interaction element um with with machine learning yeah i think that it has its place absolutely particularly when we're looking for quick gratification messages when we're looking to split test when we're looking to get data quickly but there is so much to be said for developing a core communication strategy based on a combination of user feedback and data. So I yeah. really hope that the next generation of marketers have a strong understanding of the importance of asking people what they think, of listening to people and engaging with your core customer base rather than relying on data all the time. Yeah. And, I, and, and I would really hope that there will be um, a continuation of um, stressing the importance of that because not only does it work to give you information, but it massively works to make your customer base feel valued. Whether you're working with a core group of a, mem of a membership, for example, or you're working to sell chocolate bars, by simply creating that social proof and gathering that personal feedback and therefore promoting it on your channels, you're creating an incredible uh, rapport with your consumer that I really hope doesn't get lost. And, and yeah. I'm sure it won't because I'm sure, you know, the majority of, of marketers can see the value in doing that. But you can't gain that from, you know, chatbots and because yeah. they're not authentic, people don't respond to them. Whereas if you pick up the phone or you email somebody personally, you're going to get a genuine response. And I think those genuine responses should continue to form the basis of the majority of our campaigns that we still continue to do. Yeah. And, and I guess a lot of the time the next generation of marketers will be managed by our generation so hopefully there will Good still luck. be some of that traditional <laughs> stuff <laughs> there is some of that traditional stuff still being taught but yeah, yeah marketing in in 100 years is is going to be completely different yeah um, well i don't know it might it might actually go full circle though hmm. um i you know like all of these things i think we've we've almost reached i should be cautious saying this but we've almost reached a limit with what automation can deliver um, in terms of creating a personal experience, in terms of um, identifying individual users uh, and with data restrictions on us anyway, there's only so far that we can push that. So actually it would be nice to see things come full circle, it would be nice to see people appreciate traditional communications. We're already seeing a, um, a rise and rise again of direct mail. Yeah. Um, people are starting to pick up on, on that being a new trend that's coming back. I think people are losing faith in a lot of core social media channels, seeing them as, as purely marketing platforms. I know Facebook is very much um, declining in its in the trust that it instills in its user. Yeah. Um, and that the same will happen across the board. And 
we'll just have to see how it goes. But as I say, I really hope there becomes another court, you know, that there becomes again a value in good content, whether that's online or offline, and um, good messaging. Yeah, I think particularly now with the, the situation that the world is in right now, content marketing is is gonna sort of have a, a boom because it's it's the only way people are gonna not the only way but it's a, a big way that people are going to be able to keep people engaged mm-hmm. where where businesses and, cl- and customers are maybe apprehensive to spend right now the way to keep people engaged is going to be good content and uh, good insights and, and keeping people um keeping people engaged with with good information i think rather than constantly sell 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 try and get people to buy i say it. it's about building trust at the moment um, depend, yeah. Obviously, it depends on what, which field you're you're selling within, or or what it is that you're promoting. But it's about providing value uh, and authenticity, particularly at the moment, but in general yeah. as well. Um, and good content is a good place to start. Uh, it's finding ways to upskill potentially your consumer or upskill your readership, yeah. and doing that in a way that's kind of approachable, understandable, um, but obviously without overskilling them so that they don't need your services anymore so there's yeah. a fine line but it yeah it's an interesting um arena in which we're working at the moment i think daily i'm coming across new challenges as to how to add value for our members and add value to the offering that we're giving online um whether that be in the form of content or offerings in terms of giving people out toolkits or means to communicate with their own user base cascading engagement from the top that's how we're looking at it at the moment but obviously not charging for it with the hope that when all of this is resolved they'll remember that we worked hard for them during this time and they'll keep coming back to us i think that's how we have to look at it we have to continue to work for for our customer base and for our clients we have to make sure that they understand that um we are here to support them and with a view to obviously continuing to support them through this and out the other end uh, to provide them with kind of a future proof means of relaunching their businesses and continuing to grow once this pandemic is over yeah. so yeah it's, it's an interesting situation and um one that i won't forget anytime shortly <laughs> no <clears throat> you could say that it's the perfect time for content such as the marketing minefield podcast i make perfect. you right i make you <laughs> right so what do you love about being a marketer working in marketing what what sort of big thing do you love about it um or several think, little things. Well, I was going to say it's more about the little things. So hmm. I think it's always a good day if you have a little fist bump. You know, you see something that you took a punt on or yeah. an educated guess on come off. Or even if you have, and these are going to happen, moments where things don't work. It's being able to learn from them, impart that knowledge with your team and kind of build on it to get it right the next time. I think the beauty of working predominantly in a digital space is you can very much confine your errors. So, you know, whereas surgeons, for example, can't afford to get stuff wrong, we do have the luxury of being able to experiment a little bit with what we're doing. So much of what we do is unknown, um, particularly as your user base is changing daily, the platforms they're using are changing daily, and the environment in which we're marketing in is changing by the second. We're able to have a bit of a play with things, um, to be able to kind of determine that sweet spot. Yeah. So I think that's really an interesting part of, of what we do. I think on the flip side, that does come with the whole minefield concept of there is so much at our expense. There's so much available to kind of experiment with and, and try things out on. 
that it's impossible to know always that you're going entirely in the right direction. I think um, I very much enjoy combining data with content uh, just to be able to know that our audience are in this place, they're interacting at this time, but then how do we talk to them best and apply those two sides of um, theory and putting those into practice to hopefully get that response. So that's really interesting. Um, I think the difficulty is when, and this is something I'll say about my job and and has always been the case, is the time constraints in being able to really get granular with that data and have a really deep understanding of why certain things worked. The time just isn't there. And if it were there, um, the work wouldn't be there. So it's also that. It's striking that balance between that kind of post-mortem of a campaign versus getting on with the next one Um, and dedicating enough time to get enough understanding of your data and enough understanding of your user without becoming immersed in it as well. So, yeah, as I say, it's it's a daily challenge to get strike all of these balances right. And, and that's what I enjoy about it, because you do, in my role, get to take ownership of your work. You get to take ownership of what you prioritize and how you want to behave as a marketer. Hmm. Um, and you're answerable to your clients, but ultimately answerable to yourself, because the gratification that you gain are those fist bump moments where you get stuff right. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it's a privileged position to be in. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, I've always said about marketing and and what we do is that it is different. Almost every day is different. Mm. I guess, depending what kind of company you work for, where where I've worked, I've tended to work for groups of, so a a company which has kind of um, several companies within it, which helps me um, get the variety that I want. It won't always be like that. And it's, and actually I started my career in NHS, which there wasn't as much variety to it, but even within uh, health and public health, there was all the different aspects. There was the stop smoking and healthy eating and exercise and things. So I guess I've always uh, lent towards roles that have that variety. But I think even even if you don't work for a group of companies, I think the whole marketing minefield, there is so many options of things to try and to test and to research and to learn. Um, I think it does keep it kind of fresh and exciting. And I guess that's why we, most of us do it yeah i definitely um i don't think i've ever met an introverted marketeer let's put it that way we like those moments that we can tell everybody about um and i'm sure that there is a fair amount of ego amidst our community as it were um yeah yeah i do i do and and i know that a lot of people that i've come across that that work alongside me in marketing are extremely proud of the fact that they work in marketing, despite the fact that actually, and you touched on this before, a lot of people in the wider workspace don't understand or necessarily appreciate the value of the marketing team. So um, I think it's important that we continue to be proud of of the work that we do. We don't necessarily get the same reward that a sales team would get in terms of hitting their targets, but we supply those leads. We supply those opportunities and we need to continue to recognise that that we hold an incredible amount of importance in, in keeping our businesses or our clients going, um, whether it be from a brand awareness perspective, you know, we may not necessarily get an instant return on that, but remembering that throughout that funnel, that will ultimately convert into either sales or engagement. And all of those things are extremely important in keeping businesses and clients thriving. So yeah. it's about always remembering that, even if we're not getting those immediate little wins in the same way that a sales team would get um, or a development team would get, you know, hooray, this works, congratulations. We actually 
have an extremely important role in that process of converting a product into a sale. So it's just remembering that all the time. Yeah. Actually, yeah, to go back to what you said, I, I think that's interesting, the introvert-extrovert thing, because I would say that in, in life, I am an introvert, naturally, but I think, um, I think maybe working in marketing and maybe feeling the need to remind people, hi, yeah, we're here, marketing team are here, we can actually do some quite good stuff if you give us the chance. Um, I think maybe I've become accustomed to shouting about the things I do against my nature, against my kind of introverted nature. And maybe that's why I'm doing things like this as well as to kind of, this is something I've wanted to do for a while but, and, and not had the time. Whereas now we've got a bit more time at home, but maybe all of this is, is part of that reminding people marketing is important. Um, and, and, and we know our stuff. It's just, we need to have some freedom sometimes to, to do things like this, I guess. Yeah. I think as well, <sighs> there are all too many people that are cynical about the importance of marketing. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if they've had their fingers burnt in the past. Mm. I don't know if it's just a general lack of understanding about of everything that we do. But when you look across the marketing mix and you look at the range of disciplines that our job roles have to encompass, whether it be our whole team or individuals, you know, some people work across the marketing mix, some people work in very specific disciplines. I appreciate that. But with that whole scope that we have to take into account, you know, you can't have a pay-per-click account manager not having a broader knowledge of SEO and content. Um, And you can't have um, a social media marketer not have an understanding of direct mail or email marketing, because we have to all be able to take into account that grander scheme and that bigger picture to be able to get our specific job role right so i think a lot of marketeers aren't given enough credit for the scope and range of knowledge that they have to take to their job every single day and not even just to their job it's like i don't remember a time since graduating that i haven't sat on a train and not analyzed an advert or haven't read a news piece and thought i'd have written that a bit differently yeah. Even down to some of the stuff that's going on now with the kind of messaging around coronavirus, it massively ignites a flame in me about messaging. And mm. I see so many best practice um, methods being implemented because it's the only way to get these kind of communications out, that it's reigniting a flame in me about communications. It's so yeah. fascinating how the NHS in particular and the UK government are talking to us at the moment. And it's making me reinvestigate some of the means in which I'm talking to my clients or I'm talking to their clients on behalf of them. Yeah. So it's about being able as well to engulf yourself and immerse yourself in content and marketing and advertising all day, every day. And that's something yeah. that somebody that doesn't necessarily work within that remit can appreciate. Yeah. You, you can't switch off. It's you're constantly looking and reading and even watching the government updates on coronavirus. They, they hammer home their, key messages of the stay home save the nhs to protect the stay home protect the nhs save lives they've obviously been told these are our key yeah. points get those across as much as possible mm-hmm. and and you just and see you know it. that you can see the meeting unfolding in the background yeah. can't you? because you understand their comms, the process yeah their comms manager or whatever saying right these are the key points we need to everybody needs to hammer this home yeah. as much as possible yeah. um they've constantly kind of switched up the the color the color of the um i guess like a placard or whatever you call it in yeah. front of the uh to to keep you and looking you can, at and that you can see when things are getting more crucial or more critical they'll bring in the yellow or black 
Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's just seeing that migration of colour as well and not being able to just see it for what it is, but have an understanding yeah. as to why they're doing it. So as I say, you don't ever get to switch off and, and that is a perk and a massive plus point, but also um a challenge of the job because illness. you don't you don't yeah. switch off from it ever. No. You just and don't I, and- and that's, I think, what I've found hard during this time. So even though I'm not sort of work physically working at the moment on for the company that I work for, my mind is still constantly going, which is why I want to do things like this. And I did a tutorial video the other day because you feel like you want something to do with that creative sort of energy, I guess. Oh, I, I can't give just... you loads to do. <laughs> yeah, send some stuff over. I can't just... I can't just sit and watch Disney Plus. No, no. promotion for Disney Plus. Disney um, and... Other channels also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And play with with toys all day. I, I can't do it. I, I feel the need to do something productive. Um, yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, I as much as it's been difficult getting up at four a.m. or whatever to get my bits and pieces done, I do feel yeah. accomplished before the day's even started. Um, it's about using and continuing to use that side of your brain as well, and I think that's why. If people have been furloughed, this is a great opportunity. And I keep saying this to a lot of people um, via my own job. So clients that currently aren't able to work, use it as a time to upskill. Use it as a time to explore new channels and explore other ways that when we get back to normal, you can provide the best offering that you can. Um, Then it's not time wasted at all. There's so much out there to investigate, so much out there to look into, um, and so much free training and so many free resources that we'd be foolish to not be using this opportunity to to get the best out of them because come sort of june hopefully july we'll be begging for that opportunity to have additional time to immerse ourselves in the things that we're passionate about so you know i would love to have had or i would love to currently have more time to be able to dedicate to upskilling myself and also upskilling my team and my clients yeah and you know that will come with time hopefully because things will calm down because on the flip side my job role has ramped up tenfold since the coronavirus pandemic because of the support we're having to give to our clients so um yeah one day maybe i'll be able to immerse myself properly in upskilling <laughs> myself in something i'll be making my own podcast maybe maybe well yeah that it's it's an interesting way of looking at it and it's a good way to look at it as as actually we we may not ever get this time again no. where we we're and many of us and and so and a lot of us are going to work my wife is she's similar to you her her role has ramped up because she works for the nhs in the public health team so they've all been kind of moved off of their normal work and onto one of the community hubs where they're making food parcels for vulnerable people and things so some people's job like you guys has has, has gone even crazier than usual yeah. but a lot of us have got this time that we'll probably never have to be able to look at training courses and upskilling and doing things like this and creating content that that will help people oh have i lost you no you, no, you froze you're, you're back you were um, saying upskilling yeah so i think that's a good way to look at it in, in terms of use this time valuably Sp- spend your time with family and do everything you need to do and uh when it comes to that but yeah i i i started writing a list of uh keeping a spreadsheet of courses that i wanted to to look into and it started off you know as three or four courses okay great they're free that's fine and then now that list is sort of 25 30 courses long and i'm never going to physically have the time to do it but um, well, you might it depends how long this goes on <laughs> well, yeah if this lasts a year then i might do but 
yeah i think i think that also helps maybe you see this as more of a positive thing mm. rather than a this has completely turned my life upside down actually yeah. how can i use this time to to benefit me and, and benefit my company when i return and that kind of yeah. thing yeah and i'd say you know unlike a lot of other professions where you have to do your professional development in very kind of restricted and conforming arenas or with certain course and course providers we have the luxury of having so much information online that is free to consume yeah. um, that we'd be foolish to not be making the best of it at the moment and even you know like you're doing contributing to it as well so that's another luxury of working in marketing is that things move so fast there's no definite right or wrong way of doing anything but the more information that you can consume and the more you can be informed about what's available and how to get the best out of it, the better outcome you're going to have. Yeah. So what would you say, what motivates you? I guess you've covered this a bit, so, but what, what would you say motivates you as a marketer? Um, I guess never sitting on my hands and not developing. Yeah. There's so much, I, I think there's, it's in part down to a fear of getting left behind as well, particularly in the digital space. Yeah. I think if you spend too long not applying your knowledge and not exploring new channels, there is a real risk that you could end up left a bit astray because things are changing. You know, there's no secret, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, constantly changing their uh, interface, TikTok. constantly, and, and new emerging exciting channels like TikTok, which I hear all the <laughs> cool kids are doing, my son's oh, yeah. doing, I'm, oh yeah, I'm and you, I know you're on TikTok. Um, and beyond, you know, there's so much out there and it's about being able to continually upskill, uh, and baby. be able, yeah, and be able to, yeah, baby, uh, to be able to continually upskill and be proactive about that process as well. Don't become comfortable with your own current skill set because it will need to change for you to be able to compete, to compete and keep up with not only other companies, but other people within your team. Yeah. So yeah, these, these youngsters, these young, I mean, we're, we're getting up there now. We're, you know, mid thirties nearly. Um, <sighs> and, and even, so I did my CIM digital marketing diploma in 2013. And, and actually that time, a lot has changed since 2013. And so that's why it's going to be good to do some of these courses to kind of top yeah. up my digital knowledge. But yeah, everything's moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, and it it's is just keeping up is, is but it's is not getting overwhelmed part. by it as well yeah it, it could be quite enveloping if you looked at it all and thought oh my god where do i begin but it's about also having the luxury of being able to apply that knowledge and even if it's just experimenting and creating little test campaigns it's putting that knowledge into practice you can read as many blogs as you like but until you actually get down and do it um it's all just kind of stagnant knowledge. So it's being able to be agile enough and proactive enough to, to have a go as well. Yeah. How have you found, so you mentioned earlier about the kind of the transition to, to, to being a marketer, to then sort of being a marketing director and, and leading a team. How have you found the whole leadership side um, as, you've, as you've sort of seen both sides, I guess, being part of a team, but then also leading a team? I... A lot of what I do is fairly autonomous. So it's about having ownership of my own workload more than anything, because uh, if I have a strong ownership of what I'm doing, I can then have that attitude cascade out to my 
team members. So um, I think it's about trying to balance a level of understanding uh, of kind of their personal circumstances along with a need to get stuff done. Because particularly at the moment, it's quite challenging to manage people remotely. Yeah, And I think there's a lot of trust involved and I do trust them. And I know that they're working because I know that the work needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but day to day, I don't like to micromanage. I find that it massively impinges on people's ability to be creative. I think if you crush people by being kind of too observant of every little thing they do, they won't have the confidence to make suggestions and they won't have the confidence to apply their own creativity. So I think to get the best from your team, you need to first give them the freedom to apply their own skills, obviously with guidance and mentorship. But secondly, you need to lead by example. So I always address my own workload first to make sure that everything I have is within my remit. And then I look outside of that and think, okay, so I'm okay. I've got plenty to be getting on with. Everything that I'm doing is happening over the course of the next one week, two week, I will then share that with my team. So they have an understanding of the overarching workload that's going on. And once they understand how my workload's looking, they'll appreciate some of the bits that will overspill into their workload as well. So yeah. it's about being quite transparent about what's going on as well, making sure that they know what's coming up, making sure they know where we're underperforming and where we're doing well um, and giving guidance on how we could do things better. So yeah, I do, I think... you know, I enjoy it, but as I say, it's, at the moment, it's quite challenging. Yeah, it's this is a situation that you, as a manager, you you would not ask for to to have to kind of manage people from from distance or remotely. Um, not not so much even the sort of trust thing, but just because you lose a bit of the dyna- the team dynamic mm. that you get in person yeah, and being able that, to get in the same room and yeah, it's that interaction, it. isn't it? It's that creative process that's a challenge remotely it's not impossible but it's not the same yeah yeah i i found so when i first started kind of managing i found it hard to let things go i guess the whole sort of keeping things that that you want to work on and because you think you know it's your your idea or you just know how you work and actually let forcing myself to kind of delegate to others to help them was a big challenge i think because for sort of five six years or whatever it was i'd i'd been used to to kind of keeping it all to myself and um proving myself to others proving what marketing can do then all of a sudden okay actually no i need I'm, my job is to delegate this t- to other people um have you did you find that that same sort of struggle initially yeah i think um again it comes with time doesn't it and yeah knowing not to sweat the small stuff i think um and choosing to pick your battles yeah i I, I think you have to be able to get the best out of people you have to be able to give them opportunity so how okay so let's get to let's get to the real nitty-gritty the coronavirus situation Mm -hmm. how do you think the current kind of world situation is impacting marketing We've, we've discussed sort of how people are using their messaging and um, and how they're having to maybe make a switch to sort of more authentic, helpful content rather than just sell, sell, sell. But how, yeah, how would you say it's it's kind of impacting marketers specifically? I think it's forcing us all to be a lot more creative with, um, and a lot more considered 
with how we're talking to people. I think um, even the most robust companies with the most nailed down style guides and, and content guides are having to branch out from those now because the arena that we're working in is so incredibly unique. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a huge shift in the way that we work even after this with further emphasis on connecting digitally with people. Uh, and I think that we're all going to have to embrace that. Um, yeah. You know, there's, it's no secret that we're all a bit zoomed out at the moment, but that that will continue to be a way of meeting. Other um, systems are available. Other, other systems are, of course, available. <laughs> but, you know, what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is that whilst this is considered a temporary shift in how we work i can envisage a lot of these new adopted ways of working continuing because they are yeah. more convenient they are more flexible um and i think the challenge from a marketing perspective is to continue to keep the emphasis on the importance like i said earlier of that face-to-face -face or even just voice interaction to gather feedback from people to make connections with people um I would like to think that everybody is being extremely considered in the way that they are broaching their messaging and their communications at the moment. And I would hope that that's an ethos and a way of working that people will continue to adopt because I think we can become quite slapdash and quite assuming about our messaging if we're doing it day in and day out for a particular brand or product. Yeah. And this will hopefully make us consider the human element in more detail, consider the impact of our words and consider the longer lasting kind of fallout from what we're saying to people, whether it will put a greater emphasis on families and how people interact, not just as individual consumers, but as family units. I don't know. Uh, and I don't know whether there'll be a shift in the types of products and, and the way those are promoted, particularly online after this as well. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting time to to look at how the digital space in particular evolves during and after the pandemic. But from my perspective, it's more fascinating to think about how this impacts on how we are delivering messaging, how much attention we're paying to our messaging and how we're seeing that through with a whole kind of revamp and relook at how we're talking to people in general. Because yeah. people have now, I do feel that the human element is now massively ramped up and emphasised. There is a person on the other end of that campaign. And I think that we were probably close to, if not there, with losing that, with the amount of data and automation at our disposal. It's actually quite nice to rein it back in and think very, very carefully about the impact of our messaging and how that impacts not only on how our brand is envisaged, but how that brand sits in, in the wider scheme of everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the human element. You're right. The the whole humanity part of of marketing is gonna need to to be a big focus. I think people we're not gonna be able to just see people as a number on a spreadsheet anymore. I don't think because everybody's had to think about their own personal situation and their health and their family and their money, where their money's coming from, and everything has 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 kind of flipped in, in, in importance. So I, I think maybe people have just been made to, to sort of take stock of what is important now. Yeah. And it's made me think about purchases I'm making, even though I'm purchasing loads of more toys because we've got the toddler home. Yeah. But yeah, it's made me think about buying things for my, oh, I can see some nice toys in the background. Oh, yeah, this some... room looks like a department store at Smith's, <laughs> honestly. It's really 
and it's because normally you, you they'd go to nursery or parents or whatever and, and they're just home 24 7 so i guess my my toy purchases have gone up but my purchases for myself have, have come down because i'm it makes you question your future i guess and your yeah. career and and everything hopefully will be we'll be fine two or three months from now but i th- i imagine that that's happening all over the world yeah and so you can't necessarily and i've seen some companies do this and it, it's kind of annoying and it's not the way to to do things is my inbox is full of like oh coronavirus is 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 affecting us all here's here's 20 percent discount off some shoes and you think like no no now i'm not going out i don't need shoes no, i don't need clothes i don't need shoes no um but you can see some companies are trying to sort of capitalize on the situation and i think after all this is done people are going to remember the companies like that and yeah and also there's so many i've seen on linkedin so many recruitment companies especially just got rid of their staff within within a week of all of this happening before the fur you know furlough or anything like that was even yeah. announced and i think the way i think so i think the way that companies communicate and and handle themselves in terms of their brand and their messaging is going to be remembered but i think also the way companies have treated the staff is going to be remembered yeah Um, i mean this is something we've said to our clients um is that whilst obviously there may not be the money as available to dedicate to their marketing and to their membership services if we can add value across the board all the time they will remember us if we can put pauses on membership fees or we can provide additional assets free of charge for them to use on their social channels or email marketing tips or create some online resources for them to go to as free membership tools they will come back to us and they will come back to us with open arms and they will bring people if we force them into a corner to spend on their membership because they feel that they'll lose it if they don't and if we force them to strip back their resources on a financial basis, they will run. Yeah. And that's, you know, the approach that we've taken. I think how a lot of businesses and how a lot of marketeers conduct themselves during this time will define how they're viewed by their consumer or their, you know, their marketplace for many, many years. So, you know, I know that there are certain brands and certain products that I've been approached by online in a faceless and kind of almost thoughtless means that i will now never buy from yeah and on the flip side there are companies that have donated money that have donated profits to the nhs fund that are are, you know forming you know huge campaigns based on um, sales that will go entirely into that pot that i will continue Mm. to advocate now that i didn't even know about so it's about being tactical and strategic but also ethical i think brew brew dog are going to come out of this quite well because Mm. they they pretty early on said we're just going to be manufacturing hand sanitizer yeah. for the NHS, and that and I think they even got mentioned in one of the government updates. So I think, yeah, companies like that that who, I guess, and and Joe Wicks, the people that are doing a a good deed and and what could be seen as a, a selfless act, actually, it, it's promoting them very well. So they're yeah. they're managing to get some good promotion without having to. F- promote themselves and it's not really costing them you know joe wicks is an interesting one because i'm seeing a lot of kind of influencers or you know people of higher you know larger status on social media yeah very much taking um 
uh, and you can see it as a marketer, a very tactical approach to how they're broaching the subject of the coronavirus. And you can see their long game and you know that they've probably got a team of advisors. But actually, in doing so, so many of them have remained so authentic and believable that I'll continue to follow them and, and yeah. long after. So I also believe that it will form the sorts of partnerships that they will then take on after this as well. Yeah. So the sort of, you know, it's going to be very divisive. The sort of companies that have chosen one route will attract the wrong influencers, will attract the wrong customer and attract the wrong attention. Whereas those that are going down the supportive, positive, selfless, well, there's no such thing, but, you know, less selfish approach will come yeah. out smelling of roses and will continue to rise and rise in popularity. So you'll see groupings of different types of company. And I'm not going to yeah. name and shame any in particular, and I'm not going to praise any in particular. And it's still not too late for those that are conducting themselves in one particular way to not change their their methods now. Yeah. Because we're in this for a while. And it's a great opportunity for people to really connect with their user and connect with their members and connect with their consumer. Um, an untold opportunity, in fact. Even if you are marketing something that can only be sold in stores, now is the perfect opportunity to refine your messaging, to understand your customer and to you know, remain visible. Because if you either go off the radar or you go too far down a, a kind of desperate and panicked tangent about your lack of sales, people won't come back because that yeah. isn't on everybody's radar at the moment. People are dying. We don't care if you're not selling enough trainers. You know, but if you tell us how once everything's back to normal or how in the interim you're helping support the cause, we will 100% buy from you when mm. the time is right. Yeah. And I almost feel bad for some marketers out there that are having to do these kind of flash discount because of the virus type thing, because they've probably just got managers. <laughs> what is that? Is that that's, a person? That's a person and, and oh, a baby wow. on a trike in the background. <laughs> I think so he's run, we've out just had... big, run out of things to entertain him upstairs, so he's taking him outside on a trike. We've just, we've just had that moment then, like the BBC guy that, that was doing that call that time and his child yeah, we did. came in in the background. It was special. Perfect. It reminds me of my real calling in life. <laughs> you don't get an hour without some kind of interruption. No, we've managed to get away with about yeah. an hour, 23 minutes. Um, well. Yeah, I feel bad because I imagine that those marketers are being told by the CEO or the directors we need to pump out some stuff. We need to get yeah. people. Here we need on leads. Website. We need sales. We need. Yeah. Hits. And that's, there's people out there going right to be struggling with that. Um, okay. So just to finish what one thing or a couple of things would you recommend to other marketers to help them navigate the marketing minefield? Marketing so it could be a tool, could be a platform, could be a course, uh, it could be like a Ted talk, anything that you regularly use or you've have used in the past. Um, actually, I'm going to go a bit left of the middle and say mm. it's more about trying to remind yourself that you are extremely important. Um, I think you can use all the tools in the world, but you can very quickly lose sight through external factors or through challenging conditions of um, the important role that you play in not just your team as a marketer, but in your company. Uh, I think it's you know, if you take stock from time to time and have a look at the things that you've accomplished and then also have a think about the things that you would like to accomplish. We have the luxury as marketers at having particular, you know, almost the world at our disposal. We can explore 
whatever we want to explore, provided we get the right opportunity. You're only going to find that opportunity for yourself if you have the confidence in your own skill set. So it would be more about learning from others, taking on that kind of mentorship from, from senior members of your team, trying to immerse yourself in as much as possible. You know, this kind of always on mentality applies to our own job as well. To be able to absorb and critique everything and consider how would I do it differently? If I were approaching this campaign, where would I like to see it? And then trying to kind of immerse yourself in your own industry as well to gain the best understanding that you can. Because we all have very specific roles. We all have very specific calling. And it's about gaining the strongest understanding and the most powerful knowledge that you can of your own position and what you're trying to achieve within your industry to get the best out of it and the best outcomes. Because it's only that way that you'll get recognised and that you'll develop and you'll grow and you'll get those opportunities to to go further afield. Um, You know, you could be marketing the most boring, in your mind, the most boring platform or product or concept. But to somebody somewhere, that is what keeps them going every single day. And it's about remembering that whilst you may not find it interesting, it's in providing an important and vital service to somebody that needs to know about that product for a very good reason. So the sexier jobs will come. But if you're just starting out, it's about gaining as much experience and as strong an understanding of your audience as possible. Um, yeah, I'd say that. And actually, those those more boring, <laughs> those more boring uh, industries, actually, that can be an, a good challenge to try and find a way to make it sexier mm-hmm. or cooler or funnier or quirkier or whatever. I worked in the the shipping industry for quite, for a short time, and that is uh, quite hard to get excited about. But I did see it as a challenge to try and break the normal type of messaging that shipping companies put out there. So yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you can if you want to get into the industry be very open-minded about where you work what kind of um sector you work in and actually try and find ways to put your stamp on the the industry that you're working in yeah because what i would say is actually and this might be a generalization but you're probably more likely to get that lucky break if you're working in a niche where you're going to be more recognizable than if you're working as big as as part of a bigger larger consumer organization um <laughs> i hate him so much definitely gonna be using this video on yeah media. great amazing <laughs> um i mean you know it's to you know when you're applying for that first role or when you're looking to move on from an assistant to an exec or, or whatever that career progression is is to not look down your nose at those opportunities that don't necessarily look as kind of sexy or appealing your portfolio will come and it will come yeah. with time. And actually having worked largely across the business to business sector in recent years, some may turn their nose up at that and think, oh, that sounds really dull. I want to work in consumer marketing. I want to market, I don't know, makeup or or trainers or whatever it is. And that's fine. But you have to be accepting that you need a broad skill set. And to do that, you may have to do or have to work in those roles that may not have that immediate appeal. Because most employers will see past your portfolio. They'll see past the fact that you may not necessarily have big brand names. But if you're immersed and you're passionate about what you do, that will immediately come across. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. I think I feel like I need to let you go and hop outside and play with the kids. 
I okay. need to go and watch Moana for the 50th time this week. Um, <laughs> so thank you for answering all of my questions and all That's my little okay. tangents. Depending how long this goes on, we might get you back on and this will be, become like a 10-part interview. Cool. For that. It, we, I we'll could see. talk about it all day. I could. But I yeah, can't that's, that's because good. I've got children. No, but this this Four hopefully children. gives us this has given us both an outlet. To, <laughs> one of them was walking back and forth. Out Literally, there, one of them six giant, tall child. <laughs> um, yeah, this has given us somewhere to kind of get our marketing thoughts out of our brain. Yeah, um, so it's, it's been nice. Good. It's nice. Well, let me know if you need it again. It's fine. Cool. Right, let me say bye officially, and then I'll stop recording. Oh, Thank you for coming on Thanks. this first episode of the marketing minefield podcast Thanks would you recommend that people download it and rate it five stars on the of course, iTunes I store? Would. of course i would but i'd also recommend that if you're interested in being a part of it that you contact michael yes definitely yeah i'm, I'm open to all sorts of guests from the marketing world uh, and mar the marketing world is quite vast so i'm i'm thinking of hitting up graphic designers copywriters uh programmers web developers even that i know of or good yeah, idea i'm open good idea well let me cool. know well, i'll be for... i'll be staying tuned make good. sure you edit out you know the crap no there's no crap it's all gold Amazing. all marketing gold <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> see you later